0: Did you guys figure out what I was missing this morning? The tie. Yeah, I came in and I was like I was going down the room like I didn't put a tie on. Now, I'm not a believer in ties. I'm just trying to do the nice right thing and just not offend somebody who might come in and see a preacher without a tie. But uh, anyway, I remembered the tie. Oh, where, where the mic was clipped onto, yeah. Whoa, whoa, it's not clipped on a tie. Can you do that? <laughs> All right, you know, glad to have uh, readers back from their journey. And I guess some of the readers are getting ready to go on a journey. You still on track there for tomorrow or Tuesday? Wednesday, okay. Uh, so be praying for them as they make their journey to the great state of Texas, right? And uh, just pray for Grace there. How's Grace doing, by the way? Good. gotcha. <laughs> you know, a lot can be said without saying much, you know? <laughs> all right. Uh, so be praying for Grace. And um, but, you know, I was thinking as the is uh, Mike and and, uh, and the grandkids all went out there to the family reunion, you know, family is special. It really is. I mean, after all these years to go back and see like where you grow up, we all kind of have that that connection in family. And uh, it's really precious. You know, God gave us that. It wasn't something that we came up with. It's something that he gave us to, to look at. And so as a church, we are to be a spiritual family, to have that same kind of connection, um, you know, when I grew up, there were some things I, I really enjoyed about the Catholic Church from an unsaved perspective, because uh, I was not saved. Um, but there was some holy things, a, a, a feeling of holiness. You know, this is a special place to go to. The singing, you know, it was generally a big crowd on the west side in Catholic churches. And the singing and the way the it came about was really... Um, You know, enjoyed that. Now, something I do remember growing up was I didn't like to sing. It's not in me, this human being, to be a singer. But through Christ, I have a song. I enjoy singing, even though my flesh really isn't suited for singing. Some people's flesh is, and they're really good at it. Whether they're saved or not saved, they love to sing. But uh, that's, you know, something special, because I remember that. I remember not, I just would, like, mumble. I knew I was supposed to sing, but I just moved my mouth but didn't say anything, you know, kind of thing. Uh, But now, you know, I I sing. I sing the wrong words. I sing things in between and all sorts of stuff, because I just, eh, I like it. And I like praising the Lord. All right, so we're in a new book here, so if we could pass these out. If anybody needs a utensil, I probably don't need that many of them. But And the book is called One Another, A Guide for Strengthening God-Given Relationships. And um, that's super important. What I What I began to love in the church as I got into a Bible-based church, it wasn't easy at first as I had all sorts of different background, you know, going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays was a big change for me because religion to me was once a week. It was about 35 minutes, you know, total because they had services on the hour, so they got people in and out. And you could do it on Saturday if you wanted, if it was more convenient on Saturday to get it in, you know, that's kind of how it was. Or if you went to a wedding that counted as a service or a funeral, you know? So that's the kind of upbringing I came into. And now all of a sudden, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You know, I had to wrestle through that a lot, you know? But then I grew to love being in church and being around the people. And it just a warm feeling of coming around, uh, you know, a group of people we never really had that. You kind of, maybe it was, I don't think it was just our family, but Catholic, you kind of, you kind of went in, you stayed without, you had your greeting, which was turn to the person next to you and say, peace be with you. And they say, and also with you <laughs> and you, turn around and that's it you know and it wasn't very warm it was kind of like okay okay (laughs) you know and it was it was like that but you know churches I mean we're a family we're to be together wonderful thing God has given a divine plan for the way his church should function he desires that we exercise our spiritual gifts to serve one another as members of the body of Christ and this lesson we'll learn how to We can fulfill God's plan for the unity of the church by serving one another in love. I'm going to read the text of the verse. For I say through the grace given unto me, in Romans 12, 3 through 5, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. That's a special verse, a good key verse in starting this series. We're beginning this series which will allow us to discover what the Bible says about our relationships with one another. Throughout the next several weeks, we'll be looking at passages in the New Testament that speak about believers' relationships. We'll learn how we can have godly relationships with the Lord, our families, and others in our church family. As Christians, we are connected. As we'll see in today's passage, we are members one of another. Throughout the New Testament, we discover that <clears throat> Excuse me. As members of one another, we have specific responsibilities and opportunities to exhort, to admonish, and encourage one another. Sadly, we look across the spectrum of Christi- Christian relationships. We often see that those are more detrimental than helpful. Sometimes in Christian homes and among churches, we see people who are not functioning one with another according to the teaching and spiritual unity that we read about in the Bible. Sometimes it seems we are better at dysfunctional, destroying relationships than at edifying and growing relationships. We want to learn from God's Word how to bring honor and glory to the Lord through our relationships in the body of Christ and in our families. A couple went out shopping. When the wife realized that her husband was missing, she called him on her mobile phone and said, Where are you? You know we have lots to do. Her husband replied, Sweetheart, do you remember the jewelers we went to, into about ten years ago and you fell in love with that diamond necklace? I could not afford it at the time, and I said that one day I would get that for you. Little tears started to flow down her cheeks, and she got all choked up. Yes, I do remember the shop, she said. Well, I'm in the gun shop next, right next door to that, came his reply. <laughs> there's dysfunction going on you know God has called us to a higher relationship with one another and with himself and those who do not know him think about that oh that's good Selah right after that it is God's will that the church would be a model for all that is related to functioning and working together if there is any organization that should show how to function well and work as a team it is the local New Testament church. God's plan for us believers is unity and message and commitment, but diversity and service. And Romans 12 tells us how this is possible. But first we have what did I do with my marker over here? The what to believers. And just yell it out once you figure it out. Warning. warning! The warning to believers. Paul began his instructions on unity and relationships by emphasizing that he is speaking to the very instructions of God. He emphasized this verse in verse three, as he says, "For I say through the grace given unto me another." Epistles as well. Paul emphasized that he was writing under the direct instruction of the Lord. First Corinthians 1437. And we'll start with Tim and, and go to Katie and then Debbie and Mike and back around here. Um, it's not in the book. I'll read it then. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. <clears throat> Indeed, the Bible is the very revelation of God. All 66 books have been given to us by holy men of God, 2 Peter 1.21. So as we study this passage, as well as any other passage, it's important to remember that this is God's instruction to us, not just a forum of equal opinions. As we begin with the passage, we see that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, gives a warning about our relationships. Of course, when God wants to give us a warning, we don't say, says, says who, rather we open our heart to it. The warning in this passage is actually twofold. Let's see if you know what this one is. Almost faulty, faulty thinking. Paul begins by warning us in verse 3 of pride. He says, "...to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think." Pride begins in the mind, doesn't it? Pride ruins relationships. It stirs up strife by creating within us an elevated perception of our greatness. And all of us are capable of having the spirit of pride. A young man had been hired to work for a large supermarket chain. On his first day of work, he reported to the manager at one of the stores. The manager greeted him with a warm handshake and a smile and handed him a broom and said, your first job will be to sweep out the store. Indignant at being assigned what he considered to be menial service, the young man replied, but I'm a college graduate. I'm sorry, the manager said, I didn't know that. Here, give me the broom and I'll show you how. <laughs> Pride causes us to have inaccurate, high estimates of ourselves. Galatians six three warns against this deception. You got that one, don't you? Okay. All right. For if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. A psychologist wrote some some insightful remarks on what happens to our minds when we deceive ourselves of our own importance. We've been talking about this. This is some of the things we see in some people. Extreme forms of mental illness are often extreme cases of self-absorption. The distinctive quality, the thing that literally sets paranoid people apart is hyper self-consciousness. And there's a term for that, narcissism, narcissism. Mm -hmm. And the thing they prize most about themselves is autonomy. Their constant fear is that someone else is interfering with their will or trying to direct their lives. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, do not desire to be the principal man in the church. I want you to really think about this. I'm going to emphasize a certain part of this. Be lowly, be humble. The best man in the church is a man who is willing to be a doormat for all to wipe their boots on. The brother who does not mind what happens to him at all and I want you to listen to this part. So long as God is glorified. Do not be an egoholic or filled with yourself. Possibly the most famous sports parent, now I'm not big into basketball, maybe some of you guys know about this. The most famous sports parent is LaVar Ball, father of Lakers point guard Lonzo Ball. (coughs) You know, okay, so I'm in a position now where you know more than what I know about this. Who is mostly known for his outlandish quotes. In March 2017, LeVar Ball went on record saying, back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan (laughs) one-on-one. In reality, LeVar Ball had only played college basketball for one year, averaging two points and two rebounds a game. The Bible is clear that we need to humble ourselves and remain teachable. God wants us to have a spirit that allows us to take in his word. A pastor went with his wife to a conference to preach. And the host introduced him before the sermon. He said, we are so thankful to have such a great preacher here tonight. Surprised and pleased, those words stayed in the preacher's mind. While driving back home, the preacher asked his wife, How many great preachers do you think there are? His wife gently replied, One less than you think. (laughs) The second warning in this passage is there's faulty thinking and this one might be hard. Forgetful. Forgetful thinking. One of the sad... Outcomes of this faulty thinking of pride is how it causes us to forget God's grace in our lives. We see that in verse 3 as Paul continues, But to think soberly, according as God, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God is the source of the gifts and abilities we possess. Verse 3 tells us that God has dealt these to us. This word means to distribute, bestow, or impart. The measure of faith means a determined extent. It is God who has given us the ability to do the things we do. He is the distributor of the faith and ability to exercise our gifts in service. James 1.17. Do we have that one? I'm just going to go ahead and read the scriptures because it doesn't seem like it's laid out the same, same way as before. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Ephesians 4, 7, But unto unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. The only source of goodness in our lives is Jesus Christ in us. You know that the Christian... (laughs) should be the humblest person there is because he realizes more and more of who God is and how high he is and how menial we are. I mentioned this morning, you know, it, you know, God doesn't need us. You know, we want to, sometimes we get caught in wanting to do, to try to please him and we get into works and serving him. When we forget that when we couldn't save ourselves he saved us and and, and why because it's it's because he desires us <laughs> you know isn't that a wonderful thought much more than he need. i mean and it doesn't really even make sense if you think about it that that god would need us he desires us and wants us even to the extent of giving his own son um, on the cross of calvary that he, we might become a child of god what a wonderful The warning to believers is that whenever we get filled with ourselves, the one another aspect of our relationship begins to strain and tear. So we have the warning to believers, and then we're going to have the what of believers. See how long it takes for you to get this one. Nope. Wonder, the wonder of believers. God has a wonderful plan called the body of Christ or the local church, which is designed to function in a particular way. Verses four through five of our text describe the unity of this body. Just as our physical bodies are uniquely and wonderfully made, God has a plan for the local church body to function well and he lays that out in these verses. And I tell you, I do wonder (coughs) at that. I I read it and I see it. It's a a wonderment. The first part of it is the what of each believer. Uniqueness of each believer. Notice in verse 4 that there are many members in one body. The word members is translated from the Greek word melos, which means a limb or a part of the body. Just like a physical body, the local church body has many parts. Some people think they have a less important role in their church due to their undesirable past or less prominent role in serving. This is certainly not true. You know, in the flesh, you know, when somebody's new comes to the church, I think that's a struggle them not feeling as important or needed, but they are. It just, you know, takes some time to, uh, to, to get involved and find, find your place of service. In actuality, the Bible tells us that it is the Lord who adds to the church in Acts 2.47. And we can be sure that He is not adding unimportant parts to the body. God designed every part of our physical body to function as a whole, even the smallest, And weakest of our five toes the little toe may seem almost redundant i think john and i talked about this our toenail on that little baby toe seems (laughs) insignificant if not even there sometimes however it's crucial the little toe almost seems redundant however it is crucial to maintain our balance never thought about that I don't know if I know anybody who's had a baby toe taken off. With our little toe, our ability to walk, run, and skip would be significantly affected. Of course, just as our physical body, not every member of the church has the same function. In fact, verse 4 specifically says, and all members have not the same office. The word office means function or uh, business. Jesus is the head of the body, and he is to be preeminent in all things in the, bo- in the body, Colossians 1.18. For the body of Christ to function well, members of the church have to understand who put them together and the reason for their inclusion. You know, this is, this is a faith thing, believing what God has said it is and, and to act upon it. 1 Corinthians 12.14-20. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is therefore, it is therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, and I think I've said this before, that would be Mike Wazowski, (laughs) where were the hearing? The whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him and if they were all one member where were the body but now are they many members yet but one body notice in verse 18 that it is god who sets the body sets in the body of the church as he pleases the gospel attracts all kinds of people we may not get along with certain people but god has put them in our church for a reason it is for us to function as a unified body of Christ by expressing grace and learning to work together. Now, I put out a survey this morning in Sunday school. We just talked about the Word of God, the importance of the Word of God. And I was challenging the people to to give feedback of how Sunday school's going and just had a few questions. (laughs) And uh, I told Patty, I said, Maybe I'm learning not to, to take surveys, you know, it's kind of like if I asked everybody here what the perfect temperature of the building should be, like some of you are saying it's freezing in here right now. Some of you, man, I need to turn the air conditioning down some. I'm sweating, you know, nobody, nobody seems to have the same sort of things. However, it is good. And what I need to, what I need to have as a pastor, is wisdom. And wisdom is simply, I like this definition, I've heard it, is seeing things from God's perspective. There's some good things that I need to glean from there. and We can make some adjustments because the whole thing of, of, of Sunday school is to, to teach others and so that they grab a hold of it. I mean, that's what we need to know. You know are you grabbing a hold of it? Is it too too far up here above your head? Is it too far down here where you fall asleep? You know, is it, you know, what are some things that have been really good that have been exciting? What are some things you think might need to have some changes? And so it's pretty interesting, but you know, we, we function all together, but it's not an easy task. I just, I like what he said, but uh, the gospel attracts all kinds of people. We may not get along with certain people, but God has put them in our church for a reason. So you get all these kind of different people in different aspects. And Brother Mike probably realizes this, I mean, it's a challenge sometimes. There's the uniqueness of each member and there's the what of the whole body? Unity. Unity. What a wonderful word that is. Not only is every member of the body important, but every member is to work together. Four decades after his monumental moonwalk, Neil Armstrong reflected on it in an interview. He said, I was certainly aware that this was the culmination of the work of 300,000 to 400,000 people over a decade. He and fellow astronaut Jim Lovell said their favorite part of walking on the moon was knowing that they were part of a great team effort. What a statement. Teamwork in the local church enables the church to fulfill the mission of Christ in a single service. The pastor preaches, nursery workers look after the babies. Should I put a sea law after that one? <laughs> <laughs> Ushers help out and the choir sings. Everyone is working together to advance the gospel. The devil wants disunity in the church so that it does not function well. God wants us to follow the design he has the church so that in unity we accomplish more for his glory we see in this passage two aspects of the unity of the body our relationships in the body and our relation and our responsibility in the body our relationship in the body we are individual members but together we are all in one body of christ as a body our relationships should be defined by what? What would you say there? Love. John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. When a world looks at the church, they should be able to see the love of Christ within it. They should see a difference in the way the church functions and recognize by the members love one for another. That the church is distinct from a secular organization. It is the church of the living God. The unity and love of the church should be a testimony to the presence of God. Our responsibility in the body. God wants us to make unity in our homes and churches our mission. Each member should not only contribute to this unity, but also preserve it. Ephesians 4:3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. <clears throat> Internationally renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand wrote of the picture of the body and the church. The body of Christ, like our own bodies, is composed of individual, unlike cells that are knit together to form one body. The joy of the body increases as individual cells realize they can be diverse. "...without becoming isolated outposts." That might take a little little bit to think of that. The joy of the body increases as individual cells realize they can be diverse without becoming isolated outposts. However, what happens when strife develops among church members? When each member seeks to pursue his or own selfish desires, the church is unable to function cohesively as God intended. Each member has the potential to hurt or to help, to be a burden or to be a blessing. After World War II, it seems like I've been on this World War II thing for a while, a group of German students volunteered to help rebuild an English cathedral that had been severely damaged by German bombs. As work progressed, they became concerned about a large statue of Jesus whose arms were outstretched and beneath, which was the inscription, Come unto me. They had, particularly diffi- it had been partic- particular difficulty trying to restore the hands, which had been completely destroyed. After much discussion, they decided to let the hands remain missing and change the inscription to, Christ has no hands but ours. You realize that your church is to be the hands of Jesus. And you, as part of the church body, are to work with other believers in fulfilling the mission of Christ. The wonder of believers is that we are part of a body. And when we function in unity, we are able to effectively present the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our responsibility, then, is to endeavor to keep the unity of the church. So we have the warning to the believers... The wonder of the believers and the, you got it, started with a W, work of the believers. God's plan for the unity of church can be realized when the believers properly carry out their work. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, According to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The unique talents we possess are useful in helping us determine the kind of job to pursue in the context of the church. God has also equipped each of us with spiritual gifts. Not for ourselves, not for ourselves, but to minister to build up the body of Christ. As you read through the New Testament, you see two categories of spiritual gifts. Temporary sign gifts and permanent edifying gifts. Temporary sign gifts, the miraculous gifts such as healing and speaking in tongues were given to validate the gospel message as it was first preached during the apostolic age. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. 2 Corinthians twelve twelve. First 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty two. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe, not, but for them which believe. Unbelieving Jews who questioned the gospel were able to hear the message in their own language or see someone bitter, bitten, By a snake healed. These validated the message of the gospel. Just some observation. Okay, so you hear about the snake handling churches. Right? Um, And uh, apparently, maybe they're still around. They try to take what happened back there and do that. But the other thing, I've always wondered, it said, and you shall drink deadly poison, I'm going to paraphrase, and it shall not hurt you. Where's the deadly poison that they're drinking? Let me ask you this. Where do you see the gospel preached, people coming together and 3,000 saved? And then shortly after, 5,000 saved. You look in the book of Acts and, and you see it's, it's a, just a building up and a, and a pouring out of God's word. And it just blasting out and and just setting roots. And then when it was attacked, it spread out and set roots like wildfire. It just, that's what the early church was about. And there was things that validated those, you know, uh, miracles, people being raised from the dead, people just being healed, stand in line and healing people. Oh, we have healers today, right? Well, I have known personally of some who have been in those ministries, who had gotten saved and said what that stuff was about. They were catchers. It was all part of the deal, you know, that they smack them on the head and they're slain in the spirit and they, they were trained to catch. You know, it's all a big blow up thing. You know, if, if, if healing was, was true, let, let, them, let them go down to Children's Hospital. Let them go to, over to Grace. Heal her. Well, it's not happening it did happen in the early church. Those were temporary sign gifts. And there's permanent edifying gifts. Although the sign gifts were temporary, spiritual gifts themselves themselves are not. God has given us, each believer, a gift solely because of his grace. Since they are divine gifts, we should not boast in what we can do. If God enables us to do certain things, it is for his glory, not our own. And um, let me just repeat that again, for his glory. For His glory. One Corinthians four seven, <clears throat> for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? That now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? And if thou hast, as if thou had not received it. In this passage, Paul asks the Corinthians, "If every good thing in your life is a gift of grace, how could you possibly brag about how great you are?" so how should we use these gifts God has given to us there's works of gracious service service. you know I was excited the Lord just show me through Joseph's life the man served that was his key thing his dad Pharaoh, Potiphar, the jailer, he served. He served no matter who it was. And and that just got him through there. That that word service is important. This is how we're going to do it. Gifts, gracious service. God wants us to use our gifts to provide gracious service to him and to one another. We can break the spiritual gift down into two categories. Gifts of education and gifts of edification. As you look at this list, consider what gifts God may have given you and how you can use them to help and serve others. Gifts for educating the people. There's prophecy. The gift of prophecy focuses on discernment and insight, knowing right from wrong. Teaching. Those with the gift of teaching have a God-given ability to clearly explain God's Word to others. Little Tommy loved attending first grade Sunday school. His teacher, Ms. Smith, told great Bible stories. And she would always end the story by saying, and boys and girls, the moral of the story is blah, blah, blah. Little Tommy enjoyed learning about the morals of each Bible story. But when Tommy entered second grade, he moved up to another Sunday school class taught by Mrs. Jones. She told Bible stories too, but her stories ended differently. They did not conclude with a moral. After some time, Tommy's mom asked him how he liked his new Sunday school teacher. Tommy said, Miss Jones is okay. The only problem is that she doesn't have any morals. (laughs) Although various teachers and preachers may have different styles, the most important thing is that they rightly divide God's word. And that's what, you know, this morning I'm trying to, to hit that and just to make sure those learn the word of God exhorting the person with the gift of exhorting is a natural encourager who knows how to say the right things at the right time there's gifts for edifying the people ministering this focuses on an act of service and involves simply helping with whatever needs to be done and serving with a willing heart giving god blesses some with the ability to give abundantly he encourages giving in them and they find great joy in doing so have you ever met someone with the gift of giving He or she is very generous and loves going above and beyond, investing in the cause of Christ. Giving, like all other spiritual gifts, is not to be practiced only by someone with the gift for it. So, folks, if that's not your spiritual gift, it means that you're not out of doing it. You know, we all need to do parts of this. For instance, all of us need to encourage one another. All of us at various times are to serve one another. And God commands all of us that we ought to give to the Lord's work through the local church. 1 Corinthians sixteen two upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in stores. God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So even though we all ought to practice and even grow in all of these gifts, God has given each of us a greater capacity and aptitude for developing particular gifts. And we ought to give diligent effort to exercise that gift, ruling. Ruling or administration is the ability to dig deep and see the details, make a a, a mid-course judgment, and strategically plan. Mercy, those with this gift are quick to forgive others and show mercy to the undeserving. The diversity of gifts serves a purpose. If anyone had the gift of mercy or ruling, if everyone had the gift of mercy or ruling, There will be an imbalance in the church. Thus, God gives us different gifts that we can all work together in the body according to His plan. So we have the works of gracious service and work with a gracious... Yep, got it. Work with a gracious spirit. Not only do we use our gifts for gracious service, but we are to work with a gracious spirit. Although every Christian will have different strengths and weaknesses when it comes to gifts, we can all choose to follow the commands that God has given to every Christian. Sometimes people become cynical or selfish in their service, but God calls us to serve with a loving spirit. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Romans 12.9-10, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. God wants the work in his church to be done with sincere love. The word dissimulation means hypocrisy or two-facedness. God does not want us acting a part, but serving with selfless kind of love that humbly puts others first. Notice that Romans twelve ten says, in honor, preferring one another. In our marriages, we ought to prefer one another. In our churches, we need to look for ways to be an encouragement one to another. Godly Christians put others first, instead of thinking about our own needs and one's first. We should look ways to serve others Philippians 2 3-4 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory empty glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves that's from the pastor on down that's, that's across the board folks there's nobody too high here for this look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. Genuine concern and responses of love are godly type of love. Loving others is more important than any gift. God wants us, warns us that we cannot edify the church when we are only concerned about ourselves. When we heed his warning and exercise our gifts according to his plan for the church, we can make a worldwide impact for Christ. Now it's kind of interesting... <clears throat> we're a small church. I, I, I'm honored, you know, you all do wonderfully in these areas. But you start to get into a bigger church. Um, there's Bible Baptist in Mount Orban, so we've been playing softball. But the ladies get upstairs with the other ladies and conversations start to go. And it's quite interesting how some people who may be even long members of a church have some really poor ways of thinking. They might be the most faithful people there, but you see what's coming out of them in their responses. It's, a, it's amazing. Imagine a church in which members possess diverse gifts, use them to serve one another in love. What a beautiful portrait of peace and unity that sets God's people apart from the world. How can we, as a body of believers, live up to God's wonderful plan for His church? First, we need to humbly recognize that our gifts from, are from God. Second, we ought to realize that our gifts are unique and meant to be used to serve one another. Every member is responsible to maintain the unity of the church. And finally, we should put others before ourselves and serve our fellow members with a gracious spirit. Let's pray. Father, uh, what a message this is to the church. How important it is. Lord, help us to sink into our hearts and our lives and humble humble ourselves and uh, help us. As Jesus, he took on the form of a servant. How can we be above Jesus? We need to serve one another and love one another. For what reason? The glory and honor and the worship of our Lord and our Savior. And as a witness to the world. A witness of Christ that will draw men to him and increase the body of Christ. Now, Father, thank you for this message. And for the future messages that are to come regarding our church and being one of another, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.